Number 358, the strife is o'er, the battle done, the victory of life is won, the song of triumph has begun, alleluia. You'll notice that that first uh, line there we sing only before the first stanza, then we'll sing all five verses of number 358. This morning, God's Word comes to us from Psalm 18. Uh, you may turn there in your Bibles at this time. Psalm 18, and we are going to be reading all the verses of this chapter. Psalm 18, beginning at verse 1. What we hear now is God's Word. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, I call upon the Lord, 
who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, thick clouds dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire, and he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightnings and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen and the foundations of the world were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. He sent them on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me and his statutes I did not put away from me. I was blameless before him and I kept myself from guilt. So the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. With the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you show yourself pure. And with the crooked, you make yourself seem torturous. For you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord, my God, lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? The God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand supported me and your gentleness made me great. You gave a wide place for my steps under me and my foot did not slip. I pursued my enemies and overtook them and did not turn back till they were consumed. I thrust them through so they were not able to rise. They fell under my feet, for you equipped me with strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me, and those who hated me I destroyed. They cried for help, 
but there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them fine as dust before the wind. I cast them out like mire of the streets. You delivered me from strife with the people. You made me the head of nations. People whom I had not known served me. As soon as they heard of me, they obeyed me. Foreigners came cringing to me. Foreigners lost heart and came trembling out of their fortress. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation, the God who gave me vengeance and subdued peoples under me, who delivered me from my enemies. Yes, you exalted me above those who rose against me. You rescued me from the man of violence. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing to your name great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Printed also in the worship folder is question and answer 44 of the Heidelberg Catechism. This is Lord's Day 16, the last question and answer, and I will read that for us at this time. Why does the creed add, he descended into hell? The answer, to assure me in times of personal crisis and temptation that Christ my Lord, by suffering unspeakable anguish, pain, and terror of soul, especially on the cross, but also earlier, has delivered me from the anguish and torment of hell. Well, we have been looking together at the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, particularly at the suffering that took place uh, throughout his life. We've looked at the end of his life, how he was crucified, taking the curse that belonged to us, he took upon himself. We've talked about the fact that he died and was buried. And this, this morning, we look at the confession we make that he descended into hell. There has, there has been, um, in the past, misunderstanding about what that phrase in the Apostles' Creed means, he descended into hell. It's a creed we confess almost every Lord's Day, and so we should knowledgeably confess that creed. What do we mean when we say, Jesus Christ descended into hell? What happened after the crucifixion? Did he go to hell for three days before rising again? What do we mean when we make that confession together? That's what we look at this morning. He descended into hell. Well, I guess the first thing we have to realize is for those who wonder what this phrase might mean, did Jesus actually go to hell? That's only a problem for those who really believe in hell. I'm sure you have heard the arguments against that. How, how could a loving God, how could a merciful God, how could a gracious God actually send anyone to hell? How could God punish someone eternally for sins committed temporally? Isn't it the case, isn't it true that in the end, God is so loving that everyone ends up going to heaven. Isn't that really the case? And perhaps if, if not that, well, God wouldn't send anybody to hell. They just, they just cease to exist. There really is no hell. We just cease to exist. Maybe you've heard that argument. Though we have to ask the question, 
If we don't believe there is an actual hell, why would we believe there is an actual heaven? Our knowledge of both heaven and hell come from the same place. Our knowledge of heaven and hell come from the Word of God. And we are not allowed to pick and choose which parts of the Word we like. Oh, I like this part of the Word that talks about heaven. I don't like this part that talks about hell. We're not allowed to pick and choose that way. If we believe in a real heaven, we must also believe in a real hell, a, a place of torment away from God forever. What does our creed mean when we confess Jesus descended into hell? Well, again, I mentioned there's been a, a, a history of interpretation of that line in the creed. Some say what this means is just a reference to Jesus Christ going to the grave. When the creed says he descended to hell, it just means really that he was buried in the ground. Uh, I don't find that convincing for a number of reasons, not the least of which is the creed, the Apostles' Creed, is very, very concise. It is very, very short. It is giving us a summary of the truth of who Christ is and what he did. And if this phrase means he went to the grave, then we confess together he was crucified, he died, and was buried, and he went to the grave. He was buried. And that type of unnecessary repetition in a creed so concise and so terse just simply doesn't make sense. Some have suggested historically what the creed means when it says he descended into hell means Christ went to a place called Limbus Patrum or the limbo of the fathers. A place of waiting, a place where the Old Testament saints went to, awaiting their final uh, being taken into heaven. Basically, a celestial waiting room where, where the Old Testament saints are waiting to be redeemed by Christ when he comes. And you, maybe, maybe you say, now, isn't there a text, though, in Scripture that says something like that? About Christ going and and, and, and finding those who are, who are in this waiting room, this, 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 this place waiting for him to come. I hope whenever your mind says, isn't there a text like that somewhere, you look for that text and find out what that text says. And there is a text that is somewhat like that. In 1 Peter chapter 3, we read these words. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God, God's patience waited in the days of Noah. Christ goes and proclaims something to the spirits in prison. Is that the limbus patrum? The limbo of the fathers, the Old Testament saints. Well, there's a problem in that the Limbus Patrum is the place for the Old Testament saints. But what does this text say? Christ went 
and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey. This is a reference to the disobedient, not those who were saints. And if, if, if uh, Peter had meant to say Christ went to hell, he could have said that very clearly. Christ went to hell. He does not say that. We can talk about the exegesis of what this text does mean another time, but it doesn't teach that Christ went to a, a celestial waiting room to redeem the Old Testament saints. What do we mean when we confess he descended into hell? Our confession helps us with the answer to that question. Why does the creed add he descended to hell? To assure me in times of personal crisis and temptation that Christ, my Lord, by suffering unspeakable anguish, pain, and terror of soul, especially on the cross, but also earlier. The phrase, he descended into hell, speaks about the extent of Christ's suffering, the fullness of his suffering that took place on the cross, but also earlier. We think about before Jesus' death, how he is praying in the garden of Gethsemane, and he is in such anguish that sweat like drops of blood comes out of his body. The anguish, the torment he went through. We think about leading up to the crucifixion, how those around him would reject him, would deny him. Peter, one of his closest friends, would deny him not once, not twice, but three times denying he did not know who Jesus was. The extent of the suffering and anguish Christ went through. When he was on the cross, our Lord spoke those, those seven last words from the cross. And that fourth word he speaks when he says to God, why have you forsaken me? To be forsaken by God. That is hell. To be forsaken by God. And that's what happened on the cross. When we confess he descended into hell, it's a, it's a statement of the fullness of his suffering, the extent of his suffering. Not something that happened after the cross, but something that happened throughout his life and particularly on the cross. We think of in his crucifixion. The second word that Jesus speaks from the cross, when that thief next to him uh, uh, asks him to be remembered, Jesus says to him, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. He doesn't say to him, I say to you, I have to go to hell first and later I'll come back and get you. Today, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus, in that sixth word on the cross, utters the phrase, it is finished. What is the it? The suffering, the anguish, the torment. He has been forsaken by God. And now all that suffering that was necessary to secure our salvation, it is finished. It is done. It is over. There is no need for Jesus to go to hell and suffer any more suffering. For he suffered the fullness of God's wrath on the cross. And we have that last word Jesus speaks. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The Son has come. He has done all the work the Father gave him to do. It is finished. And so he says, Father, having completed my work, I now commit myself to you. And the Father 
Knowing the Son has been obedient, knowing He has accomplished everything necessary, the Father will receive the Son once again. That's our confession. Not that Christ literally went to a literal hell, but that throughout His life, and especially at the end, He suffered the fullness, the fullness of the torment and the anguish of hell on our behalf. And that's the beautiful part of that confession of faith. Christ did this for us. Why does the creed add he descended to hell? To assure me in times of personal crisis and temptation that he has delivered me from the anguish and torment of hell. Jesus went to hell to deliver us. He suffered the fullness of hell to deliver us. And that's what David talks about in Psalm 18. The deliverance he is experiencing as God would rescue him, a picture of God rescuing us because Christ went all the way to hell and suffered. David begins, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. It's as if David trips over himself. He can't say enough words about what God has done. My refuge, my fortress, my deliverer, my salvation. God has rescued him. And so we read in verse 3, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. David would receive a temporal salvation from God being rescued from his enemies. In Jesus Christ, we have an eternal salvation. For he took the fullness of God's wrath. He took the fullness of the torment on the cross and earlier. We read in verse 4, The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. And my cry to him reached his ears. The cords of death entangling. Again, these these beautiful pictures of torment and destruction laid upon Christ that we might be delivered. I cried to God and from his temple he heard me. My cry reached his ears. God is not deaf to the cries of his children. God is not deaf when we call out to him. God hears our prayers. He knows our our hurts and our pains and he knows that in Jesus Christ we have been relieved from those ultimate pains. For he went to hell on our behalf. He suffered. He took that pain, or he took that torment, he took that, that punishment which we deserved upon himself. God heard from heaven. And so we read in verse 7, Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth. He bowed the heavens and came down. God came down. And we see that so beautifully. God himself comes down from heaven in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, to rescue us. He comes down to take the full torment of hell to assure me in times of personal crisis and temptation that I have been delivered from that anguish and from that torment. God came down in His Son, Jesus Christ. He came down for us. 
to deliver us. The psalmist says, verse 16, He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. God's rescue from the enemy. Rescue for David temporally. Rescue for us eternally. Rescued from the fear of death. Rescued from Satan himself. Rescued from the fear of hell. We confess Christ descended into hell that I might never have to fear that. I might never have to worry that I would spend my eternity there for Christ suffered that hell, that torment for me. The assurance. The assurance that because Christ suffered in our place, we will never suffer that terrible torment. That's our confession. A confession of God's goodness to us because Christ came down and suffered on our behalf. David says in verse 20, The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. Now, whenever we come to a psalm like this, a psalm of David, and he speaks about his righteousness, we know David is not speaking about an inherent righteousness in himself, that he was righteous before God. What he's talking about here is, for lack of a better term, a relational righteousness. In, re in regard to his situation, he has done nothing to to deserve this in this life. He has not done things that would have this come upon him. He is relationally righteous, not eternally righteous. And yet Christ, Christ being the greater son of David, is not only relationally righteous, Christ did not deserve to go to hell. Christ did not deserve to be punished by the people. He was, he was not only relationally righteous, he was eternally righteous, truly righteous. He had done nothing wrong. And yet he was still willing to go to hell on our behalf. Look at verse 21. For I have kept my way, the ways of the Lord, and have not wickedly departed from God. For all his rules were before me, and his statutes I did not put away from me. I was blameless before him, and I kept myself from guilt. That's Jesus Christ. Blameless. Not guilty. Completely innocent and yet willing to suffer on our behalf. He went to hell, although perfectly innocent, and did so for us, giving us now his righteousness. Verse 24, so the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. God's beautiful gift of Christ's righteousness given to us because he did everything necessary. He went all the way to hell on our behalf. And our God, our God who delivers us from death also strengthens us in this life. Look at verse 30. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God, the God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless? 
He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand supported me and your gentleness made me great. He continues to strengthen us now, strengthening us and equipping us for the challenges we face in this life, equipping us to face temptations, to face trials, knowing that in Jesus Christ, we will overcome. We may go through difficulties, we may go through hardships, but Christ is there with us. He has gone there before us. He has suffered the torment of hell, that that in times of personal crisis and temptation, I might be delivered. The temptations that come my way, the temptations that come your way, In Christ, we have everything necessary, all that we need, for he has gone there ahead of us. Is there any wonder that David concludes this psalm with praise? Psalm, uh, verse 46. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation. Verse 49. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing to your name great salvation he brings to the king and shows steadfast love to his anointed to David and his offspring forever. David praises God for he has been delivered. David and his offspring, that's us. The spiritual offspring of David. Those who find themselves in Jesus Christ looking to him for their salvation and their deliverance. And we are sure We are sure that he has delivered us. He has saved us. For we confess he descended into hell. He took the torment, the pain, the anguish that we deserved that we might have life. And so we praise him. We praise him in song. We praise him in worship. We praise him with our lives, knowing that we have been set free. And we never, ever fear the torment of hell being visited upon us. This is the glorious truth for all who are in Christ Jesus, never having to fear, never having to worry. Is that your confidence and your confession? That he descended to hell for you. He has taken the punishment which you deserved. God calls you this morning to embrace that Jesus Christ, not to fear death, not to fear torment, not to fear hell, but instead to know the truth of a God, a Savior, who came down, who did everything necessary to secure your salvation, who suffered on your behalf. He descended to hell. He went to death that you might have a glorious life. That's our confession. That's our assurance. Let's pray together. Lord our God, we thank you and we praise you for the work of your Son, Jesus Christ. We are amazed. We are in awe of what he would do for fallen sinners like us. The torment, the pain, the anguish that each of us deserved, he took upon himself on the cross. Lord God, may we never take casually, take lightly the finished work of Jesus Christ, but daily may we once again turn to you in praise, in adoration, seeking to honor you, to praise you, to thank you with our lives for all that you have done for us. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. 
Amen. We are going to turn once again to our worship folder, this time number 361. Number 361, praise the Savior now and ever. Praise Him all beneath the skies, prostrate, lying, suffering, dying, on the cross a sacrifice, victory gaining, life obtaining, now in glory He doth rise. Man's work faileth, Christ availeth. He is all our righteousness. We're going to sing all four verses, number 361. Receive the parting blessing of our God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen.